coast and throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Let's be honest, we all want to be superstars and hot shots. But guess what? The people that do the real work, the ones that make the difference, you don't see them on TV or on the front page. I'm talking about the day in, day outers, the grinders. Come on, man, you know what I'm talking about. The other guys. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. We're coming in here talking about the other guys, as, as well noted by our quote there. Ronan's favorite movie, apparently. And we, we love to talk about here the Kings, the Rockets, the Blazers, a few teams here that are bridging the gap of what we consider to be star sellers and some of the teams that are just really trying to maybe not blow things up, but putting their reserve guys for sale. Because the Kings, you got De'Aaron Fox, Blazers, you got CJ McCollum, and the Rockets, maybe you put slot Christian Wood into that similar stratosphere. But they also got a lot of guys. They got a lot of guys who are contributing players, who are guys who can make serious contributions to contending teams. And the Kings, man, I think we got to start there because they're an interesting case, not just because of their team construction, but also we got to remember in the summer, they got a mandate from leadership that they need to make the playoffs what do we make with that a lot of people don't know because <laughs> they're nowhere near making the playoffs right now but where do we think they go from here that that's that's kind of a question we ask almost every month right when we're when we're talking about the league is where where are the kings going with fill in the blank well they've they've taken the first leap they've uh, they have fired their their head coach they've uh, not yet made a permanent uh a replacement there, but with when it comes to the Kings, everything just comes down to, to Buddy Heald usually, and everything that was going on with Marvin Bagley, especially early in the season, it seems like he's he's going to be on the trade block too, and, I, and it seems like they might even try and package the two in, in a trade and try and work something to give them a shot at the playoffs. I mean, luck is on their side in the West that I a few of the teams that were expected to be stronger this season have had some pretty poor starts. So a decent run of maybe it's across like the next 10 games or something, they can find a way to win five or six or something like that. And they're right back in the play in conversation. So making a trade while it will be difficult and to, for the Kings to be able to find a player to actually give them a better shot at making the playoffs is good. It, it, it'll be a little bit difficult and they probably have to, to really pull something out of the, out of their ass to really get this done. 
Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis said it best. All you have to do is win 15 games straight and uh, you're right back in it. So, yeah, that's <laughs> easy as that. Um, and Heald has been the guy who's been the most discussed trade piece, especially as he was a guy that the Lakers were supposed to get. Obviously, they pivoted. Russell Westbrook is now there. Um, and I, I think that Heald is the most likely guy to get moved for sure. Um, but we also th- have to think about um, Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes is a guy who's, you know, rumored to maybe have connections to going to the Celtics last year. And he's been a guy that a lot of, a lot of Bulls fans have been talking about as well as a target being at that four spot for them. Um, Harrison Barnes is another guy. You even have Rashawn Holmes, who's one of the better def- uh, small ball centers in the league. He's a great switchy defender. He's got great touch on his floaters. He's one of the best rebounders in the game. So it's, it's funny that they just have a collection of really useful role players on a system that has not worked. And, you know, of course, their luck is just continue to go down as Alvin Gentry. Now, uh, I think he's testing positive for COVID, so they don't even have a head coach to lead this team that clearly needs a lot of leadership. And where, where I think the most important question where we, where we start here um, to answer where they're going to go with this. I mean, are they really going to be sellers or are they going to be buyers trying to like fake buyers to do whatever they can to get into the plan is what we make of De'Aaron Fox's recent regression. Is he, I mean, we know what they think of him as an asset. They, they think he's, you know, he's a superstar talent. He's going to be a superstar. He's going to make it there. They paid him like that. He's not playing like that. His shooting is absolutely cratered this year, but is he an asset that's going to gain them enough? And the answer is no. I'm not sure if they're going to be in a position to really sell in a big way. Yeah, I mean, the Kings have been another one that are being touted in the, the Ben Simmons talks a lot, but they've also been fairly surefire that Fox is not going to be in that conversation when it comes to, to a trade there. So there's a sense of the Kings valuing Fox as their future as the guy they want to build around but there's also an element it's always in the back of your head you say you can say this about any player in any franchise that if the right deal were to come up they would be willing to move on from Fox they just want to they just want to seem like they're not they're not uh, in that position but really they are scanning the league and they're keeping their options open so if an amazing deal were to come up a team that wanted Fox and they got a guy that was better suited to their team, whether that be an, an exciting young prospect plus a couple of picks that will be good over the next few years or what, but that's the big thing. Them getting to the playoffs. It's just how, how, how are they going to do that without blowing up a pretty decent proportion of this team and not getting back the same level? I mean, I think the the only way they the only way I see this happening, but like before this obviously has to happen before the trade deadline that the team is currently constructed is not going to get there. You know, they, they need a Ben Simmons deal. And they weren't they weren't making huge waves and doing it in the offseason. Things obviously have changed, but not really in their favor. It's not like it's not like Fox is taking a big step forward, he's taking a big step back. Uh, we think I I personally think that you know he has that DNA of being a guy who's going to be an All Star, but that the shooting still continues to worry me. And now the 76ers are dealing with a good problem, which is Tyrese Maxey has developed into a legitimate like 
future star prospect. I, I think that a lot of people can argue that, you know, his, his potential value to develop is enough where they're not really desperate for a playmaking guard of the future, at least. If, if they have a win now guy, if, if Fox was showing that he made another jump from last year, that's a different story. But I think right, right now, like they're, they're not really neck to neck. So they need that Ben Simmons deal to, to vault them up there. I don't know if a Sabonis deal vaults them up there. Um, a Christian Wood deal certainly doesn't get them there. A, Jer- a Jeremy Grant deal doesn't get them there. So I, it really just comes down to Ben Simmons deal. They would have to give up a King's ransom um, to get him there. You got to keep healed. You got to keep that three point shooting there. I think you, you got to keep, um, at least one of Mitchell and Halliburton, but I don't think those line up. And I think what that tells me is, is the difficulty to cobble together a trade that makes sense for both teams and makes sense for this team that needs to make the playoffs. I mean, that it seems to me less and less likely that they're going to get to the point where they can actually get out of the position they're in. And I think they're, they're going to have to be sellers. L- look at the last two picks that this new GM has are two guards. You've got Davion Mitchell, you've got Tyrese Halliburton, the latter of which, um, you know, that's, he's not looked good this year. And I think a lot of players on a bad team here are not looking good and it's not to their, to their credit, their negative credit. Um, and I think a lot of teams are going to look at these guys and, want to buy low and be willing to give up future assets in a time where everyone's trying to contend. Um, who knows what this team's going to look like at the end of the season, but I can tell you that they're not going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. Yeah, I, I did configure one one trade, and you're going to have to bear with me on this one because there's, there's a lot of... <laughs> Five-team trade. <laughs> okay. One thing I will say is it, it does actually add up. I put it through the ESPN trade uh, trade machine, and it actually does add up. Whether it would work for all teams, I don't know, but <laughs> right. something could be there. It, it, it's, it's a four-team trade involving the Houston Rockets, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Sacramento Kings and the Philadelphia 76ers. So we got Taylor Horton Tucker and Marvin Bagley going to Houston. Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon dropping down in LA. Simmons and Niang, that Niang could probably change to Maxi and a couple of other, other guys going to the Kings. And Westbrook ending up in Philly. It's Definitely a win for the Lakers, arguably a, a, a win for Houston, but when it comes to the Kings and Philly, I'm not too sure how they'd feel about that. All right, so the Kings get Niang and who? And Maxi? And Simmons. Oh, and, and Simmons? Yeah. And LA gets Heald and Gordon. Houston gets Taylor Horton Tucker and Bagley. 76ers get Westbrook. Hmm. I think I think the only I think the only thing that's missing is is who who's not happy with this? Who's who who has potential to be the least happy with this? I, I know LA is definitely happy with this because I, I think you we when we talk about the Rockets, I think one of the best the the guys who should really be calling the Rockets is LA and they really need an Eric Gordon type of guy. Mm-hmm. 
he's still got a lot left in him. Houston keeps saying they want to keep him because he's a great leader and everything there. Um, I, I'm, I'm so sick of them just throwing that around, just trying to inflate the value <laughs> of all their players. Um, but it's true. I, he, he would make a great contribution to LA. Healed, we obviously know, would make a great contribution to LA. Um, I mean, the Kings getting Simmons is exactly what they need. We talked about that. Um, Niang, I think, adds that that uh, stretch big that they've really, really been needing. They haven't gotten consistently anywhere. Um, 76ers and Westbrook. That's that's a move that I think has a lot of interesting potential. And I think a lot a lot of people are have been down on Westbrook, including myself. But for I have to give the caveat that I've been down on him in terms of his fit. When he has a big that he can pick and roll with, and he he's not he's not the greatest you know reader of the pick and roll, but he's elite you know he's not Chris Paul level but he's elite and he has a lob threat and he's got shooters there I think you have a framework where you know it could be great and it could also be like really bad (laughs) I I could I could go on the flip side and just think about all all the again look at Anthony Davis he's he's not able all his numbers are down because you watch how often he's getting double teamed how he's getting harassed and how Russell Westbrook is just hanging out on the wing with no one within 10 feet of him. Embiid's a little more used to that. He's a little bit more sturdy for it. I think he'd survive it better. He passes out of the double team better than AD has this year. Um, but I don't know. The deals like that are the only deals where this works, honestly. When you look at Ben Simmons, when you look at Russell Westbrook, when you look at some of these difficult guys, I think you really need to construct – many team trades in order for it to work um to pat yourself on the back because i actually think this this isn't bad and i think houston is is happy because uh taylor horton tucker is a legitimate prospect and he can contribute on the floor he's shown a lot of flashes of some really fun stuff and you know how much houston loves that kind of player right now they got a lot of uber athletic wings who can be very versatile and Taylor Horton Tucker fits that mold to a T. Now what did, did Wood go somewhere in this trade? No, I didn't include didn't didn't have Wood included in this one. Okay. Um because Wood, Wood's definitely I think Wood's definitely going somewhere as well. Um the Rockets should be sneaky sellers in this situation. But well done. Simmons to the Kings. That's that has a higher chance than the majority of trades I've seen honestly. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you would like I thought you'd like that element of it. Yeah. I do like that one. I, I really do like that one. But but Bagley too, when you talk about Kings, I'd love, love to see Bagley in a new situation because I, I, I don't believe in the star talent anymore, but I absolutely believe that if he's given a real role, real minutes, I, I think he's hungry just to play. I mean, when you get guys like that who have had the pedigree, who have had all the all the chances and then they just lose it. And I feel like he has a new appreciation. When you see him on the floor, like he really is trying to do everything he can. But I, I think just in this system where a lot of times he's he's floating out on the wing, he's not always he's not always the primary action, even coming off the bench. I mean, he's he's like the fourth guy. Metu is is above him now. Um, if he gets a chance um, in Houston, if Houston's getting rid of Wood, I mean that that gives him a fresh start. That gives him a fresh start. 
if you get him anywhere else really where he can be just an energy big he's going to get you rebounds he's going to dive to the rim and then you still have that upside of who knows who knows if he's in the right situation if he has real playmakers if he has real coaching to allow him to do what he did in duke so i mean you don't you don't do what you do in duke you don't do that in college basketball for nothing doesn't mean you're gonna be a star but you you don't have that production for nothing um that that could be an interesting trade piece that houston has um houston i think they would like that him alongside uh uh, Shangun, long term, that that would be an interesting pairing. I must say, I'm pretty good at this stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Blazers here. Um, CJ McCollum has been a guy that's been in trade talks primarily because of the 76ers. Uh, you heard that? I think we touched on that deal <laughs> yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was four first round picks for CJ McCollum. Um, or four first round picks from Blazers and CJ McCollum for Simmons. I think that deal has pretty much, I think that's died. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be surprised. Number one, I mean, he's, he's recovering from a collapsed lung right now. I hope he's okay. I hope he yeah. gets back, gets back soon. Um, re- really tough. Like, yeah, like last year he was having the best like month and a half of his entire career talking about how much he's trained, how much he's changed his shot profile and everything like that. It was fantastic. And all of a sudden he had that uh, foot injury. And then now he's got this uh, just lingering injuries that season and then collapsed long, just really not having a good go this, uh, this past year. 2021 has not been his year. But I think that given the new leadership, given the new direction, given that Lillard has not made any demands I think that they're going to try and keep that intact. I mean, there's just too much momentum and there's not enough value for him right now. You, you can't find any return for CJ that's going to bring in someone that's better or is going to really fit as well. But I, who the guys that I do want to talk about though are on the periphery, unless you have a good trade for CJ, but I'll, by all means throw it in there, but they, they also have Robert Covington, Larry Nance, Nurkic. You got two young guys, primarily Simons, who a lot of teams really value his talent hasn't shown fully in an entire year consistently, but I think he's shown enough where teams are intrigued with him in a bigger role on their team that he could do something. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to CJ, I think we, we kind of said it all yesterday. If it's not to Philly, I, I don't really see him, see him uh, leaving, leaving the Blazers this year, especially with what's going on. Let's like you said, let's hope that he's, He's okay. He's gonna be able to recover from this collapsed lung. But I think uh, Nance is the interesting one. I think he's a guy that a lot of teams around the league would like, especially a lot of teams that are kind of looking to compete this year. And Nurkic is another one. It's just so such a strange situation. What was it? What year was it that the the Blazers got got close when Dame was just outrageous? That was twenty nineteen. Yeah. Was that the year then? And Nur- Nurkic went out, down he, with, with the broken leg. He waved goodbye leg. to the Clippers. Yeah. Was yeah. that when, when Nurkic went down with the broken leg? It, it was just cut. Yeah, he was just coming back uh, at the end of the season. So he wasn't fully healthy in those playoffs. Yeah. But he was out basically that whole year. But that, that's, that's when we were we were making some ridiculous uh, comparisons. Yeah, that's when everyone thought <laughs> Nurkic was. No, but that was, that was when Nurkic, people thought Nurkic was this guy. And the fact that he wasn't healthy, I was like, oh my God. The Blazers being such done such a disservice here. If Nurkic was the healthy guy, my God, they would have gone all the way. But since coming back from oh, that, yeah. he's just gone so downhill. And 
now he's on now he's on the trade block. You think about a, a year and a half, two years ago, Blazers wouldn't have any interest in trading Nurkic. He he was one of the the cornerstones, probably almost ahead of CJ McCollum even. But now he's he's up and out there, and he's still got some talent. But I think a team that is competing and a team that is has already got a, a, a good other three, four players around him are the only ones that are really going to pursue Nurkic, not anyone in a rebuild or anyone like trying to bring Nurkic in to really be the difference maker for their, for their team. Yeah. I think when it comes to, to Nurkic, what, what he needs is a simplified role. Mm-hmm. If you look at a lot of things that he does and what he does well, I mean, he's a, he's, I mean, he's a Steven Adams level low post fan. I mean, he's a guy that you, you have an Embiid out there. You know, he's not going to stop them, but he provides a wall. I mean, he is a physical presence. Um, and he's a great screen setter. And that, that's not to be undersold at all. Um, and he's great at diving at the rim. He's an okay passer. I think what's, what's happened is a lot of their actions, and this is just what I've noticed in the times I've watched the Blazers, but a lot of their actions with him have relied upon him being a bit too much of a playmaker. And it, it feels like, you know, the game is, has not slowed down enough for him to be that cerebral of a playmaker. And it, it doesn't seem like he's as aggressive. And I think that has to do with health as well. I mean, it, who knows if, if he's fully confident in his legs right now. Um, and if you give him a simplified role and he knows what he's supposed to do and he, he knows that, and this is all a new system too. Not to, I mean, this isn't just him, but the entire Blazers organization, you know, they, they constantly look confused on the court. Um, and, I, and I don't think that's a discredit to the players. I think they've just been with Terry Stotts for so long and they ran it so well. I mean, this is a team that we have to remember. It's like, this was one of the most well-oiled offensive machines in the league for almost a decade. It's, it's a shame to see where it's gone. But if Bills wants to play that way, if they want to have a big that's really passing well in the short role, that's playmaking from the mid post, I mean, Nurkic is okay at that. He's serviceable. He's not, he's above average. But if they got a guy like Sabonis in there, and we're going to talk Sabonis all day long because he saw that news this morning, not just uh, the Pacers organization saying they're shopping him. He says, get me out of here. For first guy, I mean, Miles Turner was pretty polite about it, uh, saying that he just wants to clarify role and he, and he wants to do more. But but Sabonis is literally like, I've had enough here. <laughs> so that the marriage is quickly crumbling there, and getting him back, I don't know if back is a word, but his dad was a legend for the Blazers. To see him in Portland and carry on that legacy and do strategically exactly what they want their bigs to do would be fantastic and. Do the Pacers go for a package surrounding by, I mean, Nurkic obviously fills their five. Rocco is a throw-in as a very good um, 3 and D guy. Simon, it depends on how much they value Simons. Mm. Do, do, they, do they value Simons as a future star? And future, future first for the Blazers, given how rocky things are, you know, are pretty valuable right now. They, they, they have only relinquished one uh, in the future, which is very, very heavily protected. Um, Chicago owns it right now. Um, protected until I believe 2028 top 14 um, so they they have plenty of first rounders left in the future of the trade if they're trying to save this franchise right now and their identity is still going to be around the offensive juggernaut that is CJ and Dame if they can get Sabonis in they can throw their picks at the Pacers 
sell them on Simons. That that to me is a more realistic pathway to to getting them back into the race. Yeah, definitely. And I think Nurkic offers Indiana a, a, a guy that is not far off being capable of being a contributor on, on a competitive team. You oh, know? yeah. So that that that's a that's a good that's a good plus for them and plus getting young stars getting picks that's a, that's what they want obviously they might expect a little bit more for Sabonis and if if there's a bidding war I, I I probably wouldn't say the Blazers will be at the top top of the list for for Indiana but I think that's still a very intriguing package for them especially with the picks and especially if they're sold on Simons like like you just said one one team that I think should be interested in Nurkic if the Blazers are, are willing to sell a little bit lower is the, is the Milwaukee Bucks with them being down Lopez for, for this foreseeable future, mm-hmm. they could do with a, a big like Nurkic to come in. And if he did, that would be adding a, a pretty significant piece to an already near, near, near elite team, the defending champs, you know? Yeah. I, ironically, I mean, I, I'll, I'll have to look at this right now, but the, the way that Brooke Lopez's three-point shot has kind of fallen off and the fact that Nurk is actually, you know, willing to take those shots. Um, I don't think he has the same gravity that Lopez has from the three-point line. I think that would be something to, to consider. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they really need a big in there. Um, I, I don't know. I, Milwaukee doesn't have picks left, do they? Do they? Yeah, I, that's, that's I, the I bottom. Tr- Asset-wise, they, they, are, they are a bit thin. I think that... I think the Trevor treasure trove is empty, but I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I, I like that, but I'll, I'll bring that Pacers one back up though, because I, I think that they, the Pacers and the reason why the we talked a lot about them yesterday, but just the dynamic there is interesting because if Sabonis goes, I think the Pacers will talk themselves because they've loved Miles Turner. I, I don't think that they're necessarily trying to get off of them. They're trying to fix things. I think they'd argue that if Miles Turner has a clarified role, so he says, that maybe he takes another step without Sabonis there. And you have Nurkic there. He's only he's only there for for screen setting, for boxing out for getting rebounded. And Turner can upgrade his role. Maybe that's that's something that's that's potential there. Yeah. Um but it it's imperative for the Blazers to, to figure this out, to figure it out now. And to me, it'll be an impressive feat if if the Blazers can pivot here and can sell whatever assets they have left to take advantage of Dame. Because, I mean, Dame could say tomorrow, I want out, and I, I'm going to pull the Harden move. I'm going to pull whatever. And the national media would not would not be on him. The, even the Portland media would probably be like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's time. I don't think anyone blame him, but he himself has, has committed himself to this organization. So you, you love, you love Simons. You love the, the flashes you've, you've seen from Nasir Little. He's, he's seemingly getting more comfortable with the pace of the NBA. If those guys have any value, if they can get you someone like Sabonis, if, if they can, if they can get in a guy who can really be an anchor for this offense way Billups wants it to go. I mean, that they've got to make that move now and it's, it's now or never really. Yeah. And they simple as this, they owe it to, uh, to Damian Lillard to make a move for a guy like DeMontis Sabonis and make this whatever leap that they possibly can to get this Blazers team back into contention like they've been over, over the last few years. Dame is a superstar. They got to try and take every bit they can from him while he's there. And Sabonis gives him a, a pretty good, pretty good shot at uh, 
at getting things back on the right track in in uh, in Portland. Yeah, and if they don't, they're going to end up looking a lot like the Rockets. It's it's crazy to think about that that Silas came into that job not even not less than two years ago, thinking he's going to be coaching Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and now he's dealing with the likes of you know a lot of fun young talents, albeit. You have Jalen Green, obviously there. Uh, you have Porter Porter Jr. and you have Shangun. You have Garuba. You have Christopher. You have like a ton of fun young talent. But then you have guys like Eric Gordon. Who I, who I said yeah, I absolutely agree with you. He'd be fantastic for a team like the Lakers. You have Christian Wood. I mean, he is the ultimate consolation prize for Sabonis and Turner for teams who miss out on him in this market. Uh, because I'll, I'm going to hammer this home over and over again because it's the most overlooked stat that has been proven whenever he's on the court. When he has a true point guard, he has a guy who can play, play make for him in the pick and roll. I mean, he is a top five pick and roll guy in the league. And he's a top 10 pick and pop guy in the league. He's, 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 not, the most, he's not the most fearsome defender, but he'd be a fantastic consolation prize for teams like Charlotte. So they, they can really make a play here to add on to their treasure trove I guess, I guess the one question I have in my mind is they have a lot of young players. Uh, it felt like they had five first-round draft picks in uh, this draft alone. Um, and then they got another young guy in Garrison Matthews that they're all excited about. Are, are they maybe even content to stand pat and just let the – do what they're actually saying is let these veterans, like, train up these young guys, have a structure for them? Or – you know, are they going to be more in OKC mode and continue to build assets and and get more young players, get more draft picks out of these veterans? I think they should go more the OKC route. Um, obviously, the, what the system they have at the moment is is working pretty well. They've they've uh, what did they go on eight, eight game win streak there? Uh, it it was it was the greatest turnaround in uh league history in terms of their their i forget what their previous losing streak was but their win streak after the amount of games they've lost that is the greatest reversal in, in league history uh which has gotten a little little unheralded but um i don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for them right now you, you you're staring down prospects like chet holmgren and uh um and that guy from duke um so is that what they want I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that that that's kind of the element that that it's it's working with the with the vet guys being there. It's kind of giving them a little bit of the best, the best of both worlds. They're still probably going to be in a position where they're going to have a lottery pick, and I think that's kind of their main aim. I don't think they're too too focused on ultimately tanking and doing whatever they can to get to get to get the number one pick. I think they're happy to give their young guys the best shot that they can and hope that playing this time with some veterans, with some guys who have been there and done that, like Eric Gordon, like John Wall, although John Wall is just on the bench and acting as a coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, (laughs) I think the vets that are in Houston should want to maybe get out, especially a guy like Gordon. He Mm -hmm. He can add a lot to not just the Lakers, but a number of teams that are hoping to be competing when we come to April and May this year. Yeah, I, I think that's why uh, selling off Gordon for a guy like Talon Horton Tucker, who's not super far off. I mean, he, he just he just got a three-year contract, and it's on a pretty good deal. Um, 
he's a kind of young player who's closer to being a legitimate contributor than I don't know getting getting a guy like him him and Simons they they both kind of fall into that that similar mold um although I, I don't think Gordon's definitely not a fit for the the Blazers um and the reason I, I want to get Wood out of there is not just for Wood but for Shingun I mean you, you see it every night how he's just constantly getting better he's seeing the game a lot better every single night he's going to moves that you haven't seen before every single night and just he's such a nifty crafty inside scorer and he makes just some incredible passes as well I mean they, they have some young guys who I think don't necessarily need all the veteran presence to make them better um I think my, my only gripe with with their success right now is that it would be a lot more comforting if the success was coming off the back of Jalen Green exploding into his own right now Mm. um you you don't want the wins to be coming from you know it it, it sounds weird to say it but like team-based wins from veteran presence like that's that's nice and you know you want that structure you really want that structure for these young guys to to learn in and god like coach silas deserves it um (laughs) sure all the dysfunction he's had but you really wish that you know they could maybe lose by a little and I have I've been there I've been there Chicago's been there New York's been there um and if, know, if you're that life <laughs> if, if the Rockets make it to the play-in tournament if they keep all their veterans they make it to the play-in tournament and your rookies are okay they're doing all right but I mean your, your veterans are holding it together and then you get smashed in the in the play-in and you miss out on these prospects in this draft that that sets you back a year you, you don't you don't know what what you're gonna get but you gotta take shots and you can't you can't can't keep winning all these games so you, you don't want to tank but you can't win too many games in this league if you're rebuilding yeah that's fair i think what they're doing so far this year is probably what they would want to be doing next year more more so once they yeah. get through this draft yeah. and they already have the young prospects they've got yeah yep. yeah well i, I think I have, i'd have to agree with you there and I, I want, i'd be interested to see what houston fans have to think about that yeah um but that, that rounds it out. Th- those are the main other guys, but there's a lot of, a lot of other guys. There's, we, we, we got to throw in a, a few, like the Spurs, you got to free Thadjik Johnson. <laughs> and it, Thaddeus Young has, was a huge reason that the Bulls were even relevant at points last year. I mean, he's, he'd be fantastic contributor to a lot of teams and another dark horse. Look at the Orlando magic. They've got a lot of middling talent there they, they have a great scorer and terrence ross well he can come off the bench give you buckets and you have gary harris who's a great two-way player but he fills in a lot of contract and he's a 20 million dollar expiring no one's talked about that but that you know we, we love to talk about the talent on on the court and everything but a lot of it comes down to business a 20 million dollar expiring especially when you got a name like brad beal out there coming in the in the uh, off season. I would be shocked if the magic just let Gary Harris expire without doing some sort of deal for him. Cause that is tremendous value in terms of some team getting their books clean for free agency next season alone. Um, and a team like the Celtics who really want to be active in free agency, if they don't make a move for maybe doing something on the court this year, I mean, that could be a great way for them to clear money um, alone. Um, so that team like that, I think would be I'd be surprised if you don't see that make a move. Yeah, I think I think I'd uh, I'd have to agree there in terms of the 
getting Thad Young out, out of San Antonio. I think the Suns are uh, a team that are yes. interested in him. Yes. And with uh, I think Jalen Smith is a guy that I think the Spurs uh, have, have got an eye on, but I think they would have to include maybe a guy like Sarich or someone else to, to make the money work. They'd need... and, and I think that makes him happy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, something like that could be interesting. You always like to see competitive teams making these little moves just to give that that them that extra bit of edge. It's always an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah. And the reason that that I, I've seen that too, the reason that's a a perfect move as well is that teams like the Suns, who are really, really hot right now, who have got their system figured out and everyone knows their roles, you don't want too much of a shakeup. Because then, you know, you get back to the drawing board and you have to kind of figure out, okay, like, what, what is your role here? What do you got to do? And how are we going to keep winning the way that we were? And Thad is a perfect guy that fits what they do. He moves the ball. He plays defense. He's, a, he's one of the best switch defenders in the league. He's a fantastic rebounder for his size. And the playmaking he brings with all their off-ball movement, I mean, he, he's going to be a blessing off the bench if he's there getting their shooters open. Um, I'd like to see a little less uh, um, campaign. I mean, he <laughs> campaign has done some crazy things over the past season and a half. I, I guess this is just who he is now. But if, if you take a little bit less from campaign, uh, running, dribbling the ball a hundred times down the court, give it, give it to Thad Young a little bit. If, if you eliminate a little bit more of Jake Crowder having to create his own shot, you let that kind of operate on smaller players and that that's that's an option that they would love to go to and you get another smart guy alongside chris paul who can really play make for others yeah definitely i think yeah if uh if the suns are are as intent on winning as they they appear to be i think that's the move they should they, they should definitely try and execute yeah and the, the last part this is a play that i've been fascinated by since he came out of the draft and it's only been flashes impressive flashes albeit um but cam reddish is pretty obviously on the trading block as low as you know just a first round pick and not a lottery pick i mean that the hawks are clearly just trying to make room in their rotation i suppose um if his value is that low right now i i gotta think there's there's a lot of teams out there like your rockets like your magic like your um, your Pistons, any any of these teams that have got their foundational young guys and are looking to add some more young guys to the talent, you know, do do you forego a first round pick, e- even if it's a even if it's a, a high lottery pick? Do you forego a high lottery pick to hope that Cam Reddish blossoms in a new system? I I, I balk at it a little bit, but you know you see the defensive potential. I mean, he's gonna. I, I would not be shocked if you tell me he's he's on an all defensive team two or three times. If he moves on somewhere else, he has a chance to do that. Yeah, I, I think the level of team that you just described there, I don't think they should be thinking about making a move like that. I think more of a team that are kind of on the periphery, sort of there, not quite there. And a team that I would look at is maybe the Dallas Mavericks taking a shot mm. on a guy like Cam, a potential mm, yeah. wing, given how little they'd have to give up, give up, uh, they could give up a, a protected first rounder, maybe like Josh Green and, and Sterling Brown or something, something as small as that. I think that's a move with huge upside for, for the Mavericks 
and exactly what Atlanta want. So, yeah, it, they're 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 used to making swaps already. But man, if you <laughs> if you give if you give Luka Doncic a, a running mate like that, and, and Cam Reddish ends up becoming who you know for, for him, it's always just been a consistency and a confidence thing, and you see that the confidence is coming along. Consistency is much more slowly coming along. Defense is absolutely there. That's been something they really need. They need a legitimate two-way wing who can do more than just spot up and defend. I mean, Cam Reddish can do more than that. Um, at least his his skill set projects towards that. I think him and Dorian Finney-Smith flanking Luka Doncic that that that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, least. he'd have more of a chance to really develop in Dallas as well. I mean, the biggest problem that Atlanta have is they have literally like every wing under the sun. So many people <laughs> playing the same position. Yeah. Cam's obviously being seen as surplus to requirements. So, yeah, go out, get to a team like Dallas. That would be an unbelievable move for him. Yeah. It's funny how there's some teams out there who have so much talent. And this is the problem. This is what I'm worried about for the Rockets. I don't want the Rockets to get to that point where, um, I mean, you don't worry too much because the Hawks just literally made a Eastern Conference Finals last year. But, I mean, the reality is that they have a lot of young guys who have not had the chance to shine and and have their have their skills worked on on the court. Um, and we don't know how good they are. We don't really, really know how good Cam Reddish is, I don't think, because, you know, you had DeAndre Hunter there. And I think DeAndre Hunter, he developed faster. He had his moments. And now you got guys like Jalen Johnson there. You still have Okongwu there. Okongwu's, I mean, I, I – if you saw, I mean, this is five minutes. Like, don't don't get on me for five minutes. Watch, but just watching Okamu on on Giannis for five minutes told me everything I need to know about his potential because nobody does what what he did to Giannis in in five minutes. Um, but they just have so much talent there, and I think a lot of teams have to walk the fine line of figuring out who their guys are to develop and keeping their assets consolidated. And you can't just go full in on these rebuilds. You can't develop everybody. It's it's yeah. just not. Not a thing. And the, the Magic are in a similar position. They have too many young guys. They have too many guards. What are they going to do with faults? What are do with that money? Um, but, hey, it's, it's Thursday. It's the day after the official opening of the trade season. Nothing's happened yet. So hopefully none of this is, is still stale. All, all this is uh, old uh, discussion. But um, I'm interested to see what, what the buyers do. Because, I mean, th- this is, this is a, a seller's market. It's all going to come down to how much the buyers are willing to, to put up. You know, there's a lot of them out there. We already know what, what they need, what they want. And um, hopefully, maybe by tonight, we, we get something uh, something heating up. But, you know, well, in, until then, we'll have these these crazy uh, Lakers games like we had last night where they just get away with, with more ridiculous luck. And uh, hopefully, we'll just be in the clouds talking about trades while that happens. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably the dream. I, I think we got to take a moment to talk on that. Uh... OKC and uh, New Orleans because I don't think we'll see a, a game like that for those two for a, for for a long old time. But what a finish! Talk about a great slate of basketball. Like I, you know, I, I threw on the OKC Pelicans game because you know it's it's my responsibility as a as a content creator. I, I got to watch these bad teams. Yeah, and it, there's a little bit of fun between the bad teams because it's almost like they are fine losing every other game because you know that that helps them to to up their up their. Uh, their ability to get high in the draft. But when you play those other bad teams, you know, it's like, okay, we, we got to prove that our young talent is better than this young talent. And dude, I, I just got to say, Trey Mann, and 
this is the NBA. Any, anyone can come out there and, and look like a star here and there, but I've seen enough Trey Mann highlights where I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention to that guy. He's got a, a quick first step. He's got a quick trigger from three. He really can handle the rock. And he looks small for 6'5", but when he gets off the ground, he definitely looks 6'5". Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly got the athleticism on, on his side anyway. Yeah, and Devontae Graham, which is the, the luckiest shot of his life. And that's why they got him in there. <laughs> <laughs> and Shay, I mean, I was Shay's shot. I mean, that off, off of one foot, fading to his right, 35 feet away, nearly at the logo. Like that, that's just ridiculous, obscene. I mean, did, do we, did, I, I love that moment. Do we even talk about how the, the Lakers just got lucky? That was just a, yeah, that's, just a, that's, that, a that, that's it. The Lakers, the Lakers got lucky once again. And you want to say the look's going to run out, but when you got talent, individual talent, like Austin Reeves, like LeBron, like AD, and like Russell Westbrook, you're going to be able to win these these tight games. Yeah, man. Yeah, narrative is very funny because you you look at those, you look at their stats, and man, they look good. I mean, they, they, I want to say they combined for almost 80 points, all all three of their stars. Um, And then you, you show that beautiful shot of Austin Reeves at the end. You got absolutely pummeled. Right as he's taking that <laughs> that buzzer beating shot, but then the narrative isn't going to talk about the fact that they almost lost that game. They had to crawl their way back into that game in the last couple minutes, and it, it took a lot of luck. and it, And it took Wayne Ellington an air ball three, and it took the Mavs two best rebounders fumbling it to Ellington again in the corner from the hit. It took Russell Westbrook hitting his only three pointer of the game in overtime to keep them in it. Meanwhile, he's given 15 feet of space. I mean, it, Chris Dass was put on him, and his job was basically just stand in the lane. Don't, don't guard Russ. If, if he catches it, then Cleaver just, just, just go out there, contest it a little bit, and he hit the, the one shot. And then, of course, we all saw Austin Reeves. That was a fantastic shot. He's, he's just gunning all year. Love it. Respect to the Rook. But all I'll say is LeBron James, listen to this podcast, hear my trade idea, and you go, you go right <laughs> ahead and make it happen for sure all right guys thanks for joining us again uh well we almost covered as much trade content as we can but i'm sure there's gonna be more to talk about um this is a fun time of year you got christmas you got a, a bunch of gifts going out hopefully it's coming from the the kings give, give the bulls something give the knicks something. give give ronan a little gift please i need that. I, I, I could <laughs> I, I could use a, a little a little joy from him and if you can give him something for kemba i don't know what but if anything it'll be a christmas miracle but anyway, <laughs> oh man, I, I can't deal with Kemba at the moment. It's too too much for me. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Coast to Coast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.